0: Welcome to Awaken Podcast. I hope you enjoy the teaching. Well, welcome to you all. So glad that you are here. My name is Micah. I'm one of the pastors here at Awaken. To those of you in the gallery, upstairs in the balcony, man oh man, packed to the rafters. This is fun. This is fun. A couple things before we jump into the teaching this morning. If you are new to Awaken, welcome. We are so glad that you're with us. Uh, we'd love to know that you are here. So there are some uh, cards in the seat pockets in front of you or in the in the pews. Or you can go online to our website, awakenwestseventh.com. Let us know that you are with us. If you're looking for a church to connect to, we'd love to know that you are with us. Somebody from our team will reach out and invite you to a beverage of your choice. Uh, and we'll get to know you and you can get to know us. Uh, if you came with uh, tithes and offerings to support the church, clearly we need to buy new computers. So uh, if you could, uh, <laughs> those uh, those can go in the black boxes at each of the exits. You can also give online a number of different ways. And we're just so grateful for those of you that call Awaken Home and support uh, this church with your, your tithes and offerings and resources. We're really grateful for that. A couple things coming up we want to let you know about. We're hosting a pancake breakfast on the 22nd of April here at the church. Uh, so you can sign up for that if you'd like. We've got about enough people to serve that, so uh, sign up and come and eat some pancakes. We'll head out into the neighborhood afterwards and join the city of St. Paul for a little Earth Day cleanup, uh, which should be good. Hopefully the weather's as good as today. Amen? Isn't that great? So great. I've, I've, been, I've prayed for this one, so you're welcome on the weather. Okay. Uh, also, if you are new, we have a class that we do called Discover Awaken that's coming up on the 23rd, so two weeks from today. Uh, yeah, if you're new, you can come, check it out, um, ask questions, learn a little bit about Awaken, and um, we'll, we'll host you with lunch, so you can, uh, if you let us know, we'll make sure to have that for you. Sound good? Great. Um, well, welcome to Easter Sunday morning at Awaken, Resurrection Sunday. Uh, we don't just arrive at Resurrection, it's a bit of a journey to get here, like many things in life, and so as the church, we started in Advent, if you remember. Uh, we celebrate the incarnation of God, the indwelling, the God becoming human in Jesus, which moves us into the season of epiphany, where we celebrate and think about God as the light of the world coming to be with us. Uh, Henry ne- or excuse me, Eugene Peterson says the Word became flesh and moved into the neighborhood. And that moves us into Ash Wednesday and Lent, these 40 days before Easter. Where we consider our own lives and what it means to be intentional about them and the path that we're on. Uh, we made our way through Monday, Thursday and the Passover meal that Jesus has with his disciples. Good Friday and the crucifixion of Jesus, the Christ. Christ not being his last name, but a title. And then yesterday, Holy Saturday, where we consider the idea that God has died. But today is Resurrection Sunday, friends. It's the Super Bowl of church. It is the Oscar of film, it is the Grammy of music, it's the biggest day in the church calendar, no pressure for the pastors among us. Uh, I woke up yesterday and I was like, that feels like a sinus infection. Then I woke up this morning, I can't hear anything in my right ear. So if you want to heckle me, just move to this side of the room, you can say anything you want and I won't hear you, I'll just keep going like there's nothing happening. So you can say all the things you want and it'll be great fun. Um, But... You know, like Patrick Mahomes and the, uh, the, the Chiefs injured, but I'm just going to keep playing. You know, it's like, Laura said, are you going to preach? I'm like, what other option do we have here? You know, we're doing this. So uh, I'm glad to be here. I want to begin with a question, and that is, are you open? A friend of mine lived in California. There's a coffee shop by his house. The sign said, open and awake. Like, you're all here. Thank you. We're glad you're with us. But are you open? Are you open to the possibility That God might have something for you today. Are you open to the possibility that there might be a God? That there might be something else out there in the universe beyond death? Are you open to what God might have to say or do or in a way that God might want to move? Have you seen or heard or learned everything or is there more for you to see and hear and learn? Are you open this morning? Because let's be honest. Easter and church and religion and this kind of gathering comes, my grandpa used to call it a sticky wicket for some of us, you know what I mean? I don't know how you came in this morning, I don't know how you got here or what you're feeling right now, maybe you're excited, maybe this is the greatest day of the year for you, maybe you love Easter, or maybe you're a little nervous, maybe you uh, walked in with a little anxiety, you're not sure about what's going to happen, you've been to some of these things before and some of them were awkward, can I get an amen about that? So let me tell I want to start with, tell you what I'm not going to do. So if you're here and you're a little nervous, you're a little anxious, I want, to, I want to set you at ease. What I'm not going to do this morning is I'm not going to manipulate you or try to manipulate you to do or believe something that I want you to do or believe. Uh, I'm not going to give anything away so that you like me or like our church or even like God. I, I, I don't know if anybody's doing that anymore, but I, I heard stories about churches giving away iPads or one gave away a new car. That's not how we roll here at Awaken. No pun intended. So, And we just need a new computer, so we're not giving away anything, okay? (laughs) Uh, I'm not going to tell you how terrible you are or how desperately lost you are, because I'm guessing if that's even remotely true, you probably have a sneaking suspicion. I'm not going to ask you to come forward at the end for an altar call. We don't have any room for an altar call, and that's just kind of not how I roll. Uh, I'm not even going to try to convince you that a guy named Jesus actually resurrected from the dead because if I'm honest and honesty is one of my like uh, deepest convictions it's one of our church's values authenticity on my best days I have a number of reasons to believe that this actually happened but on my worst days I'm not totally sure sometimes and so I'm not going to try to tell you all the reasons why you should believe that. I'm not going to lay out this case and give you all the facts and this, that, and the other thing to try to convince you of something. Rather, this is a complicated matter that we're talking about here. Uh, my about-to-be-15-year-old, 10 years ago when they were 5, around this time of year, we got in the car and they said with like, all the conviction, they're like, Dad, I saw a movie where God had a thorny crown on his head and he was bleeding and he was on a cross with his two friends. And I was like, geez, wow. Like, why was God on the cross? Lyndon said, the mean people put him there. I was like, well, what happened to God? I told you, he had a thorn on his head. He was bloody, and then he died. But Jesus had a plan. (laughs) I was like, well, what was Jesus' plan? Well, Jesus raised God from the dead. No kidding? Yes, I told you, that's what happened. This is complicated stuff we're talking about here, right? So I'm not going to do a number of things. But what I do want to do this morning, probably the simplest Easter sermon I've ever preached. I want to I remind you of the story that the Bible is telling. I want to uh, try to, to offer you the claim that Easter is making. And then I want to offer why we chose Mark 16:1 to 8 to look at this morning. I want to try to remind you of the story that the Bible is telling. I've quoted this guy before, but a guy named Harold Goddard, he's a historian uh, of ancient things, um, but he says has this quote that, the destiny of the world is determined less by the battles that are lost in one than by the stories it loves and believes in. Goddard thinks that history itself is determined less by power and one's ability to leverage power against another and the wars and the battles that are fought and lost in one And he would argue that more than that, the stories that we love, tell, and believe actually dictate and determine the history, the course of history. So what's the story the Bible's telling? What's the claim that Easter is making? And then why are we looking at Mark 16? So let's look at Mark 16, and then we'll get into some business here. I'd invite you to rise in body or in spirit for the reading of the text, if you are able. Mark writes this, when the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene, The mother of James and Salome brought spices so that they might go to anoint Jesus' body very early on the first day of the week, just after sunrise. They were on their way to the tomb and they asked each other, Who will roll the stone away from the entrance of the tomb? But when they looked up, they saw that the stone, which was very large, had been rolled away. And as they entered the tomb, they saw a young man dressed in white sitting on the right side, and they were alarmed. Do not be alarmed, he said. You're looking for Jesus the Nazarene who was crucified. He is risen and he is not here. You see the place where they laid him? But go, tell his disciples and Peter, he is going ahead of you into Galilee and there you will see him just as he told you. Trembling and bewildered, the women went out and fled from the tomb. They said nothing to anyone because they were afraid. Pray with me. God, this morning we gather in this place with all kinds of thoughts and feelings and emotions. And I pray that by your spirit you would be present to us, that you would remind us of the story that the Bible is telling, that remind us of the claim that Easter is making, and that you would reveal yourself to us if we have eyes to see and ears to hear, I pray. In Christ's name, by the power of the spirit which raised him from the dead, the church said together, Amen. amen. You may be seated. So a little bit of review of the story that the Bible is telling. There is this throwaway line in the Gospel of John. There are four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. They all tell the story of Jesus. And in the Gospel of John, one of the women who goes early to the tomb in the morning, John says, thinking he was a gardener. She sees Jesus in the garden where the tomb is, and John says, thinking he was the gardener. It's over, it can be overlooked. It's an insignificant passage if you're not looking for it. But I think it's actually one of the keys that opens the door to the story that the Bible is telling, which is the explanation of everything. Um, and I want you to think about this story as the ultimate mythic telling or expression, explanation of our existence. And by myth, I don't mean false or untrue. I actually mean like true in all senses, true in every way, like larger than. So the story goes like this. The Bible begins in a garden, and in the beginning, in the garden, we were gardeners. Adam and Eve, the first humans in the story of the Bible, were given a job to do by the divine. They were invited by God to be gardeners, to be caretakers, to be stewards of God's good world. They were to be agents of the divine desire, which is for wholeness and flourishing, beauty, goodness for all. Out of divine love and abundance... Benevolence, God, creates humanity and places them in a garden to be gardeners of goodness. Now, maybe you're like, I am not a gardener. I've never gardened anything. In fact, everything I plant dies. It's okay. Metaphorically speaking, Adam and Eve and all humanity, subsequently, I would submit, has been invited and always has been invited to do and be a particular thing in the world. And that is to be cultivators, tenders, enablers, of goodness, of hope and love and beauty, of truth. And so we were gardeners at the beginning of the story, given a job and a task. But it wasn't enough, and it never is enough. If you study humanity long enough, you don't have to look very far to build this case. It's proven by every kind of leader that's ever walked the planet, from dictators to Caesars to monarchs to empires to, like, nine-year-olds. We were in uh, Hinkley a couple years ago. We had gone to a cabin to visit, uh, or some friends in the church have, and we stayed there. We went to a little town, this little rural town right on the St. Croix River, and we went for breakfast. You know, think Cracker Barrel, but not commercialized, okay? Because who loves Cracker Barrel? Did you know that you can ask for pure maple syrup? You don't have to eat the, the other stuff. You can get it pure at Cracker Barrel. No charge to you. But this place was like Cracker Barrel. It was like Cracker Barrel, not commercialized. But they even had the tea game, you know, the one where you try to get down to one. Anybody ever got to one at Cracker Barrel? A couple of you. Good for you guys. Give them a round of applause, these guys. That's tough to do. It's tough to do. So you're there. You're, you're, in, you're in outside of Hinkley with us. Cracker Barrel, not commercialized, tea game. And I just decided as a dad that day to just not say No. You know, like you know, as a parent, sometimes you just got to say no to requests. And I was like, you know what? We're going to say yes to everything. Dad, can we have French toast? Absolutely. How about some waffles? Yes. Can we have whipped cream? Double down on the whipped cream. Let's put fruit on that too. Just bring it all out. So we eat like kings and queens. It's wonderful. It's great. Everybody's full, right? Everybody's full. No one could have eaten anything else. We're walking out, and it's one of those double gas station restaurant kind of things. We're walking out the Isle of Death, which is where all the candy is for the parents. They're like, oh my gosh, no. And of course, one of my kids is like, dad, can we have some candy? And I'm like, I have to break my rule. (laughs) I'm like, no, you'd swear they hadn't been fed for a year. It was like mutiny, just anarchy erupts right there in the place. It wasn't enough. Think Christmas. You know, you got like kids all around, presents all over the place. You got presents from mom and dad and brothers and sisters, aunts and uncles. The pets are given Christmas gifts. Santa Claus is giving Christmas gifts. They're ripping through them like it's going out of business. You know, they're going out. And then they get to the end, and they're like, where's the next one? And you're like, that's all. And then they start crying, right? they like, it's never enough. Or think about that person who got the, the, the promotion at your work, right? You're like, man, you, you've been working hard for this. You did it, right? They got to get the promotion, and then there's blood in the water, and it's like they just start eating people. You know, it's like stepping on them, climbing the corporate ladder. Because... It's never enough. We had everything we needed. We were naked in a garden, friends. That's awesome! (laughs) Everything we ever needed. And yet there's this question that rises up, that rose up, that the serpent says and that now lives in us. Did God really say? Which is a question about what's the nature of the divine? What's the nature of the world that we live in? Is God holding out on you? Or is everything you ever needed given? And as a result of our doubt, our skepticism, our wondering, our unwillingness to trust, we walk away from our place and our position and our authority as humans on the planet. We had a job to do, invited by God, to be caretakers and stewards of God's good world, to reflect the divine into the world. And I would argue, we, we, we reach for this tree that we were never intended to eat from, to gain what we thought would be ours or what we wanted and needed, only to find out we can't bear it. Think Frodo in The Lord of the Rings. Do you remember by the end of the story? He's just like weighed down by the power of this ring, that no human or, is he an elf? Hobbit. A hobbit. Thank you. That should be an easy one. <laughs> that no hobbit should have to carry. Right? It's like no human should have to bear the weight of ultimate knowledge, ultimate power, the knowledge of good and evil. And it still affects us today. It affects every aspect of our life. We judge the inherent worth of one another, and we become judge and jury, a space that we were never intended to hold or walk in. The Bible and Christianity historically calls that sin. My definition of it, any of the ways we break relationship with God, with each other, and the world that we live in. How? To serve ourselves first at the cost of others. Anybody done that before? Okay. When we live from this place of wandering from what we were intended for, and brokenness, really, where we break relationship with God and each other in our world, that always leads to death. And I don't have to beat you over the head to convince you of that. We just have to look around to watch the news and look at the world that we live in. And try as we might a thousand different ways we cannot Have not, I would submit to you, will not dig our way out of this hole. We were sons and daughters of the divine, given a job to do in creation, and we walked away from it because we believed and we believe every day that it's not enough, that scarcity is the reality of our world, and we have to get it while we can. And this story, I would submit, is true on the smallest of levels in our own personal lives and on the largest cosmic, systemic, institutional levels in the world that we live in. So the question that lingers in the air is, how do we get out of this mess that we've gotten ourselves into? And this, my friends, is why the Bible, I would submit, is offering an explanation to everything. And it's why John's throwaway line is so brilliant. Thinking he was a gardener. Mary thinks Jesus, this per- or this person, in the garden is actually a gardener. And of course he's not. But... John's story that he's telling, the one that Mark's telling, the one that Matthew's telling, the one that Luke is telling, they are saying that, in fact, Jesus is the new gardener. Jesus is Neo in the Matrix. He's T'Challa in the Black Panther. He's Frodo in Lord of the Rings. He's the one. He's the new gardener. The writers of the Bible want to offer you Jesus as the second Adam. If the first Adam and, and hum- the first human, right, if the first humans were invited to do this, Jesus does it. He challenges the invasive species that have taken root in our world of racism and selfishness and death. He uproots the thorns and thistles. He offers, he plants blossoms and blooms of equality and of justice, which is why the prophet can say when he comes, the desert will rejoice and bloom. This is the center of the Christian story. This is the hope of Easter that Jesus does for me, for you, for us, what we can't do for ourselves. In resurrection, God, through Jesus, says to death and the one who opposes life, that you can't hold it back. You can't keep the words from being on the screen. It's the love of God on display. Jesus is the gardener who stands with arms open to any and all and says, trust that this is true. This is the story the Bible is telling. What's the claim that Easter is making then, Micah? The claim of Easter is that resurrection requires death, that there is an empty tomb and Jesus is out in front of us. The claim that Easter is making is that resurrection requires death. Said differently, if you want to live, you have to die first. Which goes against everything that we would think is true. We want to preserve our life and we want to save it and work you know, like at all costs. And this narrative, this story is saying, no, if you want to live, you actually have to die. Die to all the ways that you have inaccurately perceived the world as it is. All the ways that you inaccurately think about yourself and your neighbor and the world. All the ways that we believe the lie that we have to work for our worth and we have to prove ourselves. All those things have to die so that something new can be resurrected. The claim of Easter is that in Jesus, he does it. He lives the life that we were meant to live. And there's a claim that there's an empty tomb. A tomb that was the symbol of victory over all that that God intends, life and hope and beauty, a tomb that tries to snuff it out, a claim that Jesus is out in front of us now, inviting us to follow. So why did we choose Mark's gospel? Why did we choose Mark 16, 1 to 8? If you were actually following along in your Bible, maybe you noticed that verses 9 through 20 are the end of Mark's gospel, but we didn't read them. The people that study the Bible for a living Um, which isn't actually me. I just talk about it. But a lot of people who do this for a living would argue, for a hundred different reasons, that Mark 9 through 20, it's not Mark. Some of your Bibles, if you go home and open them up, they may say the earliest manuscripts and some other ancient witnesses don't have verses 9 to 20. Why? Mark didn't write verses 9 to 20. Either it's lost in history, never to be found, or Mark 8 is the way the story ended for Mark. Somebody later at another time grabbed pieces from Matthew and Luke, compiled them, and added it to the script, added it to the scribe, or to the scroll. And whether or not Mark didn't write an ending or it's lost, I actually love this ending for two reasons, and I'll close with this. The people who were adding to Mark's gospel, they're like, it can't end that way. Women, bewildered, scared, afraid, and not, like, speechless in front of a tomb, it can't end that way. I love it, because that, to me, feels a little bit more like life and faith. I mean, what would you have done if you were there that morning? You're like, that can't be true. I saw him dead. Mark's gospel, ending at verse 8, to me feels like life and faith. This last week, somebody asked me, Micah, how would you define faith? And as I spoke it, I said, These words, which I'm about to say, I'd never spoken it that way, and as it came out of my mouth, I'm like, oh, that's it. Faith is living as if it's true. I can't prove to you that Jesus was resurrected from the dead. And anybody who wasn't an eyewitness, I would submit, can't prove to you that Jesus was resurrected from the dead. I can offer you all kinds of reasons why I think it's true, why I would argue that... Their, you know, history and the accounts, the eyewitness accounts and the women who you would never give the story to if you wanted it to last in the ancient world. Lots of reasons why I think it's true or viable or a possibility, not some sort of hoax. But I can't prove to you that Jesus was resurrected from the dead. What I can do is tell you that I have lived by faith as if that's true and it has made all the difference in the world in my life. And I think that Mark's gospel ends with I think, you, I think we are the women of Mark's gospel. We're the women of resurrection morning. What happened? They stood there in front of an empty tomb. There was a claim of resurrection and a claim that Jesus was out in front of them. You can go to Jerusalem right now and stand in front of that tomb and I'll tell you what's there. Nothing. It's still empty. I've stood there. There's no body, there's no remains, there's no nothing. It's empty. And there's a claim, like the women in Mark's gospel, that a resurrection has happened. That just like in the universe, whether it be a star or our lives or plants, or it's like the way that the universe works. Resurrection. Life coming from death. That there, a resurrection happened and that Jesus is out in front of the church inviting them to participate in the story that is being written as we speak. All those things are still true this morning. Do you remember when we were gardeners? That we had a purpose and an abiding relationship with the divine and we gave it away and we give it away because we believe and choose to believe a lie. That's not true. That you have to earn your value, that you have to work, that there's scarcity and there's not enough and you got to get yours while you can. Jesus the Christ, the divine become human, does what we can't do and invites us to die with him so that we can live in him. To get back to the work of gardening, tending and tilling, advocating for making space for justice, hope, and peace in a world where beauty is our reality. I don't know about you, but to me, that sounds like a heck of a lot more fun than fighting against whatever it is we live in. But together, binding our effort to work on that. That's the claim of Easter, friends, and the story the Bible's telling. You are invited to trust it and live as if it's real. Two roads diverged into a wood, And I took the one less traveled, and it has made all the difference in the world. I can't prove to you that Jesus was resurrected from the dead. I can only say that I've lived my life as if he has, and if he did, and it has changed me. So I invite you to consider that. This morning, we get the honor of celebrating the sacrament of baptism. We get to watch a couple of people who have said yes to this story to recognizing its validity and its part and place in their life, who have said, yes, this sacrament, which holds mystery and beauty and simplicity and faith, and in the tradition of the church, baptism is at once a proclamation made by an individual to live this way and a mystery that happens to us and in us. So as we go beneath the waters, we identify with this story, with the death of Christ. And as we're raised up from it, we see the resurrected body coming up for new life. And so today, we're going to see that reenacted. These brothers have declared faith in Jesus and a desire to live in the way of Jesus. And today, come to proclaim that, to participate in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. So I'm going to invite Mark and Levi and Zane. Come on up here. And I don't know if you came here this morning ready to be baptized. Maybe you didn't. We thought about you. Maybe you're here today and you're like, I've never been baptized and I want to be baptized. I don't know why this is happening right now. But um, something in me is like, I think I should do that. We have gym shorts and t-shirts so you don't have to go home wet. Those are in the sacristy right over here. If you want to be baptized today, it's just kind of like free baptisms here at Awaken. I would be honored to baptize you. So if you want to be baptized today and say yes to this story, you just come on down, make your way into that sacristy. You can change. There's a bathroom in there, and we'll baptize you. And then you can say, I decided to get baptized today. So um, what's going to happen next is we're going to talk to these guys. We're going to ask them a few questions. Um, They're going to respond. And then Mel's going to lead us in song, and we're going to start baptizing some people. Um, as you see this happening, I pray to God that the screen works, and we have lyrics on the screen so you can sing along. Uh, Trevor, our tech guys applauding there. Yeah, yeah. It's a stressful day for us here. Um, and as they get baptized, we don't do like rah-rah-four on the floor a lot at Awaken because, I don't know, it just feels like that's not always how life is. But today's a day when if you feel it, man, sing it out, you know, let her rip, tater chip. If you think this is cool and you love what's happening, like, give it up. Round of applause for these folks. No, no, no uh, limit of joy here, okay? No limits on joy or excitement. Um, so that's what's about to happen. Let's move this thing out of the way. Let's get you guys right up here on the platform. Um, I'm going to ask you a few questions. We're going to get down to business, and we're going to baptize some folks. So, Zane, Levi, Mark, do you desire to be baptized in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit? If so, answer, I do. Do you re- do you receive the gift of God's grace in Jesus and trust fully in His work of redemption on the cross and through His resurrection? I do. I do. Relying on God's grace, do you intend to live a life consistent with the example of Jesus, to turn away from all that stands in opposition to His life and example? I do. I do. And empowered by the Spirit, do you intend to participate fully in the life of the church, to do justice, to love kindness, and walk humbly with God? I do. Okay, let's do this. Mel, take it away. <laughs> okay. Oh, yeah, that's fine. As, as, yeah, yeah, it's fine. Yeah, go ahead, go ahead. As we baptize them, I want you to know, like, what we're going to be saying. We're going to, we're going to be saying, we're buried with Christ in baptism, and we're raised to walk in newness of life. So that's what's happening when we're up here while you guys are singing and taking this in. So here we go. Well, to the church gathered on a resurrection morning, a reminder that. The scriptures offer a story. And I would submit to you that the stories we love and believe in make all the difference in our lives. And it's a story that reminds us that we have been invited, called, um, given the responsibility by the divine to reflect God's love and hope and beauty into the world. And try as we might, we fail a thousand times, yeah? But Jesus has died our death and resurrected our life so that we can live in him. And I, don't, I can't prove that that happened to you. All I know is that I've lived my life as if it's true and it's made all the difference in the world. And I'd invite you to do the same. To get back to the work that we were intended to do which is gardening, enabling, tilling, tending to hope and beauty and love and justice in the world. And that that Force in the world cannot be held back, not by death, not by a grave, when it's unleashed. So go. Go into all the world and tell your neighbors, tell your brothers, tell your sisters. Love the way that Jesus loves. And that, I believe, will be good news wherever it's found. Yeah? I got my, I got my ray. Whew. So go with this blessing. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord lift up his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance to you and give you peace in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And the church said together with resurrection in its hearts. Amen. Amen. Grace and peace, friends. You can find us online at www.awakeningcommunity.com or on Facebook at www.facebook.com backslash awakeningcommunity or on Twitter and with the community. See you next time.